Welcome to the Men Leading Men podcast. My name is Tim Jacobs. Thank you so much for joining today as we dive into another discussion about leadership. If this is your first time here today, thank you so much for tuning in. And what can you expect from the podcast? Well, the goal here is to help men who are new to leadership or those aspiring to leadership become more self-aware and equipped with actionable tools to craft and improve their leadership and its impact. I also want to throw out another quick announcement. Have you heard the last episode? I previewed this announcement, but I want to throw it out there again. If you have ever wanted to give feedback for the show, if you have ever wanted to get in touch and say hello, or maybe you are in need of some one-on-one coaching, now there is a way for you to get in touch with the show. If you hop on over to speakpipe.com forward slash men leading men, you can leave me a direct voicemail straight through that link. Again, that site is speakpipe.com forward slash men leading men. I'm excited to hear from you. And if anybody has thoughts on how we can improve the influence of the Men Leading Men show. So as we start today, I want to tell you a story and I want to talk about the cuckoo bird and the warbler. Now, both of these birds, I don't know how much you know about them, but I ran across the story a while back and watched the video of the behavior of these two birds. And it really blew me away at, uh, at exactly what goes on with the cuckoo and the warbler. So here's what happens. The warbler will build a nest and will lay some eggs and then will go on about her business. Now, once the eggs are laid, the cuckoo bird will wait until the warbler is not around the nest anymore, will sneak in and lay an egg of its own amongst the warbler eggs. Then the cuckoo bird goes away and lets the warbler do all the work. So the mom warbler will come back to the nest and she will sit on the eggs until they hatch. Now, the cuckoo bird, this this cuckoo egg actually hatches quicker than the warbler eggs. And unbeknownst to the warbler mom, once this cuckoo hatches, it actually, even before its eyes are open and it can see, it immediately out of the egg will from an ingrained behavior standpoint, begin to push the other eggs out of the nest and off the side. And the goal is to get rid of them and be the only bird there. Well, the mother warbler, not understanding what has happened, will come back to the nest, see there is a baby to feed, and will begin to feed it. The warbler doing this feeds this bird all by itself, And so the cuckoo will grow to full size within two weeks. Two weeks, that's all it takes. Now, in growing to full size within two weeks, the cuckoo is three and a half to five times the size of a warbler. And as soon as the weather cools down, the cuckoo leaves with the intention to come back the next spring and see this process repeat itself over and over and over. Now. You may be thinking how dastardly of the cuckoo bird and how oblivious the warbler is. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I want to talk about awareness. Obviously, in this story here, we're talking about birds, but there is not a lot of awareness in the warbler bird to actually feed its own enemy, to actually 
uh, allow this enemy to grow near and around its eggs, then to feed it to full growth, and then to allow it to be destructive in this manner and repeat this process. So let's, let's get into our conversation today about how you cannot lead without awareness. Let's do it. So today we're going to talk about awareness, about why you can't lead without it. And the three main focal points, I believe, are simply crucial to our leadership. So the first area that is important for us, you probably have heard this term many, many times, but that is self-awareness. Self-awareness is defined as the conscious knowledge of one's own character, feelings, motives, and desires. In the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, the authors note this. They say self-awareness falls under personal competence. A personal competence, they say, is your ability to stay aware of your emotions and manage your behaviors and tendencies. Self-awareness is your ability to accurately perceive your own emotions in the moment and understand your tendencies across situations. People high in self-awareness are remarkably clear in their understanding of what they do well, what motivates and satisfies them, and which people and situations push their buttons. Oh, how true is that? How true when you've thought in the past about your own self-awareness, about how you do your best to make sure that you manage your behavior, your tendencies. What, what do you have a habit of doing in different scenarios? And how are you taking that self-awareness and improving upon that, uh, about growing that, about building upon that, or, or utilizing it in the best way possible from a awareness standpoint for your own self? And, and the end of that statement there, talking about understanding which people and situations push their buttons, I'm sure we could all laugh Today, probably not in the moment, in the past, but today we could probably have a little chuckle about how we allow people to push our buttons or how we push other people's buttons. And when you think about self-awareness, it's, you know, it's indicated in studies that self-awareness is contained within your emotional state in every situation in life. Now, as with all things, it's not something that is corrected, not something that is solved just in those critical moments, but rather it's, it's a process. And it's, it's forged through, through actions that we take preemptively that allow us to perform the ways that we desire to, that we have tried to correct, that we maybe have studied, uh, maybe we have read about, maybe we have put some effort into, and we've studied what, what is the best way for me to uh, be self-aware and to act in certain ways in different situations, in different environments, with different people. Not everybody in life we get along with. Not everybody in life do we have so many things in common that we can sit and be in their company day after day. And so we have to make sure that we understand going into these scenarios, going into these relationships, these environments, going into whatever the case may be, that we have taken, our, taken the time through this process to tweak and to adjust and to build upon it. Now, think about the opposite. 
Think about not having self-awareness. Now, as we say not having self-awareness, have you ever been in a situation where you see somebody who does not have self-awareness and you know they're just just not getting it, whether it's in a work environment, whether it's in a school environment, whatever church environment you're in, when you, when you look around at the people that are involved and you think, man, these, there's so, many, so much potential in all these people and there's so many great things that we can do. And you look around and you try to, try to make progress and you try to work on yourself and you realize there's just that individual, maybe multiple individuals that have no self-awareness. They don't know how to act in front of people. They don't know how to control their emotions. They don't know how to manage their behaviors. They, they don't understand how they're coming across to other people. They don't understand how their words impact others. They don't understand how their behaviors impact other people. And the challenge with that, the challenge that I found with that, is, is trying to help them understand that there's a greater need for them to have that self-awareness. Because the first thing that we want to do is we want to say, well, how can we take this person aside and walk them through the behaviors, walk them through their words, walk them through what exactly just happened in a loving way for them to be able to receive it the proper way and for them to make adjustments and to become more aware about how they're handling themselves, about how they are perceiving their own emotions. They Sometimes people think they have self-awareness and they think that they're making progress and they get in these environments, in these situations with others, and in fact, they really don't. And so they continue to behave in that, in that particular way. And, and it's sad, really. It's sad because we, we don't want to damage a relationship. We don't want to hurt somebody. We don't want to we don't want for them to think that we are coming against them because oftentimes that's how things are perceived when we try to help and correct in certain areas. The default response is not to be received that we're addressing the behavior, but that we're ad- addressing the person. And so if you've ever been the subject of correction, if you've ever had to give correction, that's the main focus, to address the behavior and not the individual. But as human beings, that's, what, that's, that's not how we take it. Oftentimes we say, well, you're addressing this because you don't like who I am instead of we don't like this particular behavior. And so how can we get to that? It's a challenge. Now, that's not what today's topic is about. But if we don't have self-awareness, then it can be really difficult for us to build upon a solid foundation of our character. And we need a solid foundation of our character so we can apply the right teachings, the right development, the right knowledge, the right direction. And ultimately, through all of that, as we build that foundation, the the contribution that we can make in different areas of our leadership. Now, we could probably all testify that from an emotional standpoint, none of us has been perfect. None of us has batted a thousand when we needed to act a certain way in conversations or heated moments, verbal exchanges, uh, or when emotions run high. I've heard it said that when emotions run high, most of the time our judgment runs low. And that's important when we're talking about this subject of self-awareness, 
Because if we don't have it, there's some dangers that we need to avoid. There's some areas that can come along with not having self-awareness. So let me quickly give you five dangers we should avoid when it comes to uh, a lack of self-awareness in our lives. The first danger we need to avoid is pride. If we don't have self-awareness, then typically we're full of pride. We're full of, uh, full of ourselves, right? We believe our own press. We have a tendency to think too highly of ourselves. And that in itself, I mean, we could stop right here being the root of a lack of self-awareness, but there are other dangers we'll get to. But, but having pride in ourselves will keep us from having a proper view and awareness of ourselves to know how to behave in certain areas, to know how to respond, because leadership, especially for us as men, leadership is about the influence of others and not about how great we are. It's not about how much we can provide for our family. It's not about how many accolades and, and trophies on the wall. It's not about those things. It's about influencing others. And if we're too prideful of ourselves, we won't look around and say, who needs my influence? Who needs me to pour into them? Not from a prideful stance, but as we are called to lead, look around at our family, at our homes, at, at those that we are leading in whatever arena of life. And we have to say, how can I help influence them so that they can become who they were called to be, become and fulfill that will, that plan for their lives, who, who they are? How can we do that? If, if we have pride, then there's no, there's no self-awareness to be able to help others because we can't even help ourselves. So the first danger to avoid that will cause you to have a lack of self-awareness is pride. The second one, and if my children were here at this moment, they would tell you that I harp on this constantly, and that is not being teachable. I think these two points go hand in hand because pride says, I'm all that, and not being teachable says, I know everything. Well, honestly, anybody at any point in our lives, no matter what we've accomplished, no matter where we go, no matter how old we get, anybody at any point, at any age, I believe can teach us something. And if we're not open to being teachable, if we're not open to learn new things, if, we're, if we say that we have arrived, then right, right then and there, we know that we don't have that self-awareness because we falsely believe that nobody in the world can ever teach us anything. Well, I've, I've been around long enough to understand that that is not even close to being the truth. Hopefully, you make it a point. You, you make it uh, an intentional part of your life to learn something new on a consistent basis, whether it's weekly or daily or whatever. Hopefully that's part of who you are, just ingrained in you. But if you are not able to be teachable, then there's a clear sign that you are lacking self-awareness. The third danger is being closed off. And being closed off leads to isolation and it leads to exclusion. If we are closed off, and we are not available, we're not open to be able to receive, then we'll find ourselves in isolation. And those people that love us and that desire to speak to us, those people that desire to help us navigate this concept of being more self-aware and trying to teach us and help us grow, if we're just completely closed off and we isolate ourselves so that nobody can get to us, that's problematic for us. 
you know, as leaders, we can't be isolated because isolated says I've removed myself from the group and I don't want to be a part. I've excluded myself. And so now I just want to be from afar, this distant place. I want to watch what's going on. Well, that's not who a leader is. A leader does not operate in isolation. You can't operate in isolation if you're trying to help others, if you're trying to grow yourself and learn and be an influence and an impact. You can't be closed off. The fourth danger is a lack of discipline. Now, discipline, self-discipline is key in our lives because it helps us systematically provide areas and opportunities where we are more structured, where we're more organized, where we give attention to these things and and we're able to be faithful. We're able to be counted on. If we have a lack of discipline, we just, you know, we don't show up to things. We're not faithful. Uh, If from a discipline standpoint, we are not very conscious about getting up with our alarm, about being on time. There's, There's a punctuality factor in that. If we don't have discipline to stop and say, you know what, I need to build these things in my life. I need to push some things out of my life. I need to build margin in my life. I need to be more intentional about where my time goes. This this self-discipline says, you know what? I don't need anybody telling me to get up with my alarm and to go exercise. I can do it. I don't need anybody to tell me that I need to work on the spiritual things in my life, to work on my emotional side, to work on these things with awareness. We have to have that discipline in our side, inside of ourselves but we don't have to rely on others to tell us, you know, you really should be eating better. You know, you really should be studying more. You know, you really should be doing these things. That lack of self-discipline is a sure sign that we'll have a lack of self-awareness. And the fifth danger to avoid that causes a lack of self-awareness is not seeking feedback. Not seeking feedback. Now, this this is coming full circle around to number one, which is pride. And it's saying, you know what? I'm okay with listening to people. I'm okay with hearing that feedback. But it's not just okay hearing it and receiving it. It's actively pursuing and seeking out that feedback to make sure, hey, am I on the right track here? I need some input because I value you in my life. I value your opinion. I value your time. I value your input. Uh, If it's a mentor, if it's a leader in your life, I value that leadership, that friendship, that mentorship whoever it is that you trust in your life to give you valuable, constructive feedback, we need to be pursuing that. We need to be seeking that out. Hey, give me a progress report. Hey, give me, give me a rundown of my performance. And, and this is not one, once every blue moon. This is constantly. This is frequently, hey, you know what? As we've gone through some things, as we've worked through some things, as, as we've been on this project for a couple of weeks now, give me some feedback. I want to know that we're still on the same page. I want to know that I'm going in the right in the right direction. I want to make sure I haven't missed anything. I want to make sure that the lessons that I was supposed to learn during this time, that I have learned them. So give me give me some feedback and and help me out here. Now that that seeking feedback, that pursuing of it again means that you're hopeful that it's constructive feedback that you can put to use, uh, but it's not always feedback that says, "Oh, you're doing great. I wouldn't change a thing." or Oh, you're doing fantastic and there's nothing else for you to learn. There's nothing else for you to know. It's seeking that feedback that says, where am I doing well? What are some areas I still need to work on? Where would you suggest that I focus my time on growing and developing myself? So there's five dangers to avoid that cause a lack of self-awareness. Now, these, these other 
areas of awareness that I want to get in today, uh, these three main focal points that we identified earlier, they, they play this part uh, in this succession of we got to have self-awareness first because it'll lead to the next area. But there's, it's more than just having awareness of ourselves. There's two other areas that I want to talk about from an awareness standpoint that we need to pay attention to. The second one is social awareness. We need to have social awareness. And there's a, a great um, input here from the site study.com, which gives us the definition of social awareness. They say it's the ability to comprehend and appropriately react to both broad problems of society and interpersonal struggles. This means that being socially aware relates to being aware of your environment, what's around you, as well as being able to accurately interpret the emotions of people with whom you interact. So here's the thing. When we're talking about leadership, if we are not able to accurately interpret our own emotions, then how can we accurately interpret the emotions of people with whom we interact? It's important for us to get this straight. We, we talked recently in other episodes about you leading yourself first. We've talked today about how we have to start with a self-awareness and make sure that we have that about ourselves to lay this foundation and to build upon who we are from a leader influencing others. And think about the people that you interact with and their emotions. I'm talking to men and think about the emotions of your spouse if you're married. Think about the emotions of your spouse, the women in your life. You see, men and women are made differently. And there's a higher probability those women go about their day interacting with a lot more emotions inside of them than we do as men. Let's, let's just be honest. We're not wired that way as men. As men, we often seek to avoid emotions and getting emotional. We like to express ourselves, we say, by using logic and reasoning. Now, this isn't to say that women don't apply logic and reasoning to their decision-making, but they do it from a more emotional basis in that standpoint, but not men. We will often shun that approach at all costs, but not our wives, our spouse. That's not how the women in our lives operate. They operate out of the emotions inside of them. That's just how each of us were built. And so if we can't get a hold of the self-awareness inside ourselves, how can we interact with those emotions inside of women, inside of our children? As our children are young and they're developing and they're growing, there's all these different things that are going, in, going on inside of them. There's the hormones, there's the emotions, there's this immense amount of development and energy that's in this wonderful little, you know, creation that God has given to us. And so we have to be sensitive to that development because all these things inside of them are building and building and building, and we are directly influencing and impacting children. Maybe you don't have children. Maybe you are in a place where you influence children. Maybe you have a teacher role. Maybe you have um, nephews and nieces and and maybe you, there are others in your life where you're influencing a younger generation. If you're in leadership from a youth leadership standpoint, whatever the case may be, they're constantly changing and growing and developing. So we have to accurately interpret the emotions of people with whom we interact. We can't just walk into a room, assume that everybody is on the same emotional path as us, 
as in the exact same emotional state at that moment as us. We have to be able to read the room from a social standpoint and look at faces and look at behaviors and look at interactions among a group and with, and with other people and see where they are emotionally. It requires the social awareness. It requires certain level of competency. And that comes with emotional intelligence. And that comes with empathy. It is, you know, it's not just the self-awareness in ourselves. This is building upon. So it's, it's a couple of things working at one time. Now, there's a, um, there's in this social awareness, there's a sensitivity. The sensitivity is the ability for us to have empathy, empathy for others, to understand what's going on in their world and to lead as such. We have that awareness about what's going on in this entire group, about what's going on in, in our marriage, in our home, in our family, in our children. We have to have that empathy and that awareness. So we have to be sensitive to the situation, the, the social environment, this, what we're in at the moment. There's also social insight. And so once we look around and once we interpret what's going on and, and we can gather the situation, we can gather what's going on in the lives of others from an emotional standpoint, then we have to have the ability to comprehend the situation really, really quickly. We have to have our guard up and we have to have um, not only our guard up, but we have to have um, the ability for us to to assess the situation. So we have to be, we have to be processing. We have to be looking. We have to, we have to understand this social interaction here to comprehend, Hey, I know what's going on right now. You walk into the house after a long day at work and your wife gives you this look that says, tag your it. And she disappears. And then the kids come running around the house and things are a mess and a disaster. It's, it's pretty easy to interpret and comprehend that situation. Hopefully it is for us to comprehend, hey, she's had a long day. The kids have been crazy and don't say a word about why there are clothes on the couch and the house hasn't been swept and we're having leftovers for dinner. Don't say a word about it. You have to comprehend this situation quickly and be ready to jump in, assess, and provide that appropriate help where it's necessary. Because then there's that communication part that goes on. You have to interact appropriately with individuals, including problem-solving interactions. So in the environment that we're discussing, if it's a home environment, you have to be able to problem-solve in a way that is sensitive, that shows that empathy, that shows that you've comprehended this quickly, that shows we can interpret the emotions. It's, it's having to problem-solve in a way that doesn't show that we're superior, but that we understand what's going on and that we can operate in the best situation and the best problem-solving mode that we can while maintaining this, this level of peace in the group, in the home. We have to be able to, pro how can I fix this problem or how can I provide a solution or how can I lead the best in this scenario? Maybe it's a classroom that you're teaching. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a group of young people. Maybe it's a work environment where you step in one day to work or you step into this meeting and you're looking around at the faces in the room and you realize, all right, something big is about to come down. Or somebody came to work with a big problem. There's a big 
family problem they brought into work today and they just can't keep that off of their face. They, they just can't hide those emotions. And we have to be able, how can we best problem solve here? And sometimes problem solve is just full of empathy and just full of listening. Sometimes people will work out these problems on their own if we just open up and we just listen. We say, hey, I realize something isn't right today. I, I can sense that something is, is not okay. And so how can I just sit down and I just listen to you? So the second awareness we must build upon here in our leadership and in our lives is the social aspect of things. The last awareness is situational. The National Academies Press for Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, uh, their website is NAP, NAP.edu. They say this, in everyday parlance, the term situation awareness means the up-to-the-minute cognizance or awareness required to move about, operate equipment, or maintain a system. Now, in a lot of areas that you'll read about situational awareness, it's used heavily in the arena of combat and military. And it's very closely tied to this social awareness that we just talked about. But think about maintaining a system, maintaining an environment that we talked about, moving about and, and operating things and maintaining the system, it, it is up to the minute cognizance or awareness that's required. And so this concept is broken down into three phases, and you'll see some similarities in what we just talked about with the social aspect of things when we talked about sensitivity, insight, and communication. The, the first concept, uh, excuse me, the first phase that this concept is broken down is perception. We have to define the situation. The second is comprehension rapid decision-making. But here's where the third one gets a, a little bit different, and that is projection. So the projection of what's going to happen, this, this is the kind of short-term planning and evaluation, if time permits, because sometimes situational awareness is not as methodical. It's not as, uh, you're not able to take as much time. It's a lot quicker move into decision-making. It's a, it's a lot quicker move into this short-term planning and operating where you, where you have to make a quick decision. That's why they say a lot of this is, in, is used in combat and it's, it's military. But I think it's appropriate when we're talking about maintaining a system. We're each, if you're a leader or if you're aspiring to leadership and you want to maintain a system, then what system would you want to maintain? I mean, think about the ones that we've already talked about. Think about maintaining a system uh, of peace and harmony in your home because th that system is not filled with the right things being done every single day because as we talked about, kids are growing and they're pushing boundaries and limits and they're trying to figure out who they are. Then there's this system that's in play because as parents, you have a plan. You have uh, an operating a system that in your mind, the way things should go, that, that's easy when we say the very first way things should go is obedience. And what if a child doesn't want to obey? They're coming against the system. How do you maintain this, this system that operates appropriately in the home where you can pour into them, where you can lead them, where they can understand the boundaries? We have to understand the situation and maintain that system. When there's an immediate pushback. How do you respond to those children? Think about at work. How do you handle and how do you respond in that moment when there's a defiance? 
at work, when there is a clear disobedience, when there's a clear defiance of authority, when they're looking at authority and they're saying, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. I don't like your idea. I have a better idea. That's not how this system works. That's not how we're able to move about. So when somebody is insubordinate in those areas, how do you quickly make the right decision that allows everybody to learn, that allows everybody to get heard, and that we can quickly assess and make very rapid decisions and have action? We have to define it. So this situational awareness closely tied to the social awareness should be used in all these different instances. Now, now here's, here's the big difference between the social and the situational aspect. Situational is not used every single moment of the day. It's not used. There's not always a situation where you have to quickly define, make a decision, and, and evaluate these options and, and, and move quickly. That's, that's not always the case day to day to day. It comes up a few times of the day, but the social awareness is every single time you walk into a room, every single time you walk into a new space, a new area. If, if there are multiple layers uh, at work and you're walking through the building and there's different departments that you associate with, if there's different meetings that you go to throughout the day, maybe right now all these meetings are through Zoom and every meeting you have is with different groups, it's with different departments, it's with, it's with different players. That comes up in every single instance. And in every single, maybe you're part of a, a group messaging platform, in every single Slack group, and every single chat and every single group text, whatever it is, there's always that component from a social awareness. And that social awareness is not only a group setting, it can be a group setting, it could just be a one-on-one setting, but that social, that interaction with other people is where that social awareness comes in. So there's those two main differences here, and hopefully to clear that up a little bit, that says, you know, the the social aspect of things I'm going to, I'm going to encounter so frequently throughout the day. The situational things, I may not. I may not inquire, but one or twice, one or two a week, once or twice this week, I have to encounter this situational um, environment where, man, things just blew up. And now I'm getting pinged. I'm, I'm sitting in a meeting. I'm getting pinged left and right on my, on my cell phone. And Slack's blown up. People asking, where are you? Where are you? This just happened. This happened to me several months ago. And I was sitting in a meeting with, C-level executives and directors, and all of a sudden, all these things, as I just mentioned, started going crazy. People texting me, where are you? Slacking me. And then all the different players and, and this big blow up that just happened in the office. All these different individuals started reaching out to me. Let me get, let me get you the inside into my side of the story. Let me tell you what happened from my perspective. Let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you that. So now I'm getting just bombarded with all these different areas and all these different perspectives. It just all just came in from all these places at one time. And I sat there and I thought, good goodness, what, what is going on? What just happened? So I'm trying to fact find. I'm trying to gather all this. I'm trying to define the situation. And because of how escalated it was, I thought this is a situation that requires me to make rapid uh, to make a decision rapidly and take action. Like I can't sit on this. I can't stay in this meeting room. I have to move. And so as I gathered everything and took as much notes as I could and figured out in what order I should be responding to individuals and what order I should be making these decisions, that's, that's exactly what happened. This evaluation, the short-term planning kicked in, and I had to excuse myself from the meeting. 
I had to find a representative of HR. That's the first place I went, spoke to HR. Uh, I gave them, here's my plans. Here's what I'm going to do. Obviously, fact-finding. This is where I need you involved. And then that's what I did. I went one by one to the players that were involved. I got a third-party perspective who witnessed it, who witnessed the situation. It was a, it was a blow-up b- between a couple of uh, my employees who, who just, they just let things get to them, and then it just spilled out verbally. And so then emotions are involved. So anyways, the situational awareness had to kick in. And without me understanding what was going on at the time, I realized like I have to maintain the system of the team. I have to be able to operate these human resources in such a way that we still function as a high, um, high productive and valuable unit as individuals and as a team. So the situational awareness, it, it didn't come up that often. Every so often I would see one of these things. And it's not always going to be to that great extent. But there's a difference here in these awarenesses. But they build upon one another. We have to start with self-awareness. And then from there, as we are learning and growing and moving about there, we can improve our social awareness and then be prepared for situational awareness when these, when these things come. Hey, I need to make a quick decision. Hey, I, I, I might need to make a slow decision. My actions might need to be a little more methodical. And I might need to take this slow and pull back on this and just wait around a little bit before we actually make a decision. It could be a couple of days. It could be a week. But you know what? I got to get I have, I need to gather everything. I have to define it, make some short term plans that take me a week, take me a couple of days and then we'll move and then we'll enact these things. So, again, today's topic about awareness, it, when we think about these different parts of awareness, self, social and situational, we can't lead if we don't have these awarenesses. In our leadership, we need to have these because as men, we have to lead our families this way. We have to lead ourselves this way. And, and that'll help us as we lead at work in different environments. We have to lead this way. So thank you so much for joining today. That's it for this episode. As always, I aim to simply share the ways that we can develop our leadership to have a lasting imprint on men and families for generations to come. Remember, the journey to being a leader is a hard road. It's a long road. It's a bumpy road. But you can do it. That does it for this episode. If you're listening today and you have not already, I would appreciate if you gave the show a rating on whatever platform you've chosen to listen through. That'll help the Men Leading Men podcast more easily show up in the list of available podcasts so we can have the opportunity to share this message with new listeners. Thanks again for being here today. I hope you've learned something to help you in your pursuit of being a good leader. 